This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for radio and now in its 26th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Tesla Motors is into hot water again for what its self-driving beta software will do and won't do, and we'll have all the details for you. At the same time, a new study finds that first-time electric vehicle buyers are enjoying the new experience. We'll have much more about that coming up. There is some good news for Tesla there. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack D. Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about something we are passionate about. That's cars. And Chris, how are things with you this week? I am passionate about cars, Jack. Things are going well this week, but I'm also passionate about the weather, which we generally do talk about. Uh, We are here in the, we call it the brown part of (laughs) winter, where all the snow has been coated in sand and everything looks a little gloomy. But otherwise, uh, looking forward to a a good week driving. And and how are things going on your side of the world? Things are going swell. You know, uh, spring is right around the corner. I'm excited about uh, baseball starting. It's still a ways off, but I'm a baseball player, so I love that sport. Uh, And that's coming up. We also have a terrific guest, changing gears totally. We have a terrific guest. Our special guest is Dan Ahern. He is the senior manager of a company called Car Bravo. It is within General Motors. It's a new General Motors effort to give consumers an interesting way to buy a used car. And this includes non-GM used cars. So kind of fascinating that General Motors is getting into the used car business in this way. So we'll get details from Dan on what this means to you. In the road test segment, Chris, uh, what vehicle will you be talking about this week? I drove the 2022 Honda Civic Si. Very exciting. It sounds exciting. I bet you had fun with that, and I hope you had enough clear roads to uh, really get a good shot at that. (laughs) Kind of. We'll talk about it. Okay. Well, I got a chance to drive something that was very exciting, the all-new 2022 Kia EV6. As you can tell from its name, it's an electric vehicle. I was at their uh, introductory driving event recently, so we'll discuss that vehicle at some length. But before that, we'll be bringing you some of the most important car-oriented news from around the world, so stay with us for that. Tesla news is coming up next, right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackson with you, and it is news time, and boy, we have news. Of course, Tesla Motors, always in the news, and... Uh, Here is the latest. Tesla is going to recall more than 50,000 vehicles that have the company's full self-driving beta software. Full self-driving isn't really full self-driving, by the way, but uh, we'll chat about that. Uh, Some of the models that have this do rolling stops at stop signs. They don't come to a complete stop at a stop sign, and the National... Highway Traffic Safety Administration is a bit cranky about that, so it's asking Tesla to recall a bunch of vehicles. Uh, And this sounds like a bad thing, and uh, we have criticized Tesla before about their beta testing of uh, self-driving software. Uh, Number one, what's your your take on that, Chris? Well, (laughs) I can see... In the real world, I guess a a use for rolling stops. I don't know of a better way to put that, Uh, but I think it's illegal pretty much everywhere. In fact, 
Uh, I got a pretty large ticket in high school many, many years ago for rolling stops. And that was without autopilot. I'm sorry, full self-driving, not autopilot. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a little bit of a, a gray area, but I do think it, it's probably best that it not be built into a system that works on its own. So I think that just encourages or opens up more opportunity for accidents. So, uh, Hopefully they fix it. Yeah, I think the larger issue is beta testing something out in, in the real world uh, that has to do with safety. I just don't think that's a really great idea. In this instance, I think it sounds worse than it actually is. It's not that vehicles go whizzing through stop signs. Teslas go whizzing through stop signs at 30 or 40 miles an hour. They slow to less than two miles an hour. Uh, this according to Elon Musk, who tweets about this. And I, we're probably all guilty of that at one time or another, not coming to an absolute complete stop. But uh, I think just the optics of this are bad. And again, I, I don't think that uh, beta testing safety equipment with real human beings is a really great idea. There are reasons why automotive engineers and test drivers are trained. And there's a reason why they mostly test on closed courses. And when they do test in public, they're in very, you know, elaborately marked vehicles. So that it's not, it's no, it's no secret what they're out doing, but, uh, just any, any Joe Tesla owner or Susie Tesla owner, uh, can sign up for this program and take a little bit of an assessment. And then they're, they're testing these vehicles. Uh, as you say, on the public roads, it, it is a little bit frightening to think about the, you know, how things could go sideways pretty quickly. There will be a recall of these Tesla vehicles. They they will fix them. I think they will fix them with over-the-air updates. So it's not really too onerous for anybody, for Tesla or for their owners, to get this fixed. And then we won't have vehicles just slowing down to two miles an hour and going through stop signs. I think uh, that also points out a, a big problem. And certainly it's a big problem in my area of people just ignoring stop signs, <laughs> whether they're in Teslas or not. I, I see a lot of people just blowing through stop signs almost routinely these days and it's it's pretty frightening yeah it's even more frightening as i said earlier it's more frightening to think about a car just doing it on its own but you know two miles an hour or less as you say it could be a little i think we are some people are making a little bit bigger of a deal out of this than it should be but uh you know again predictability is is key when the car is in control of itself so uh, on a, a brighter note for electric vehicles, there is a new J.D. Power study about uh, electric vehicle owners of the vehicle ownership experience. It's called the 2022 U.S. Electric Vehicle Experience Ownership Study from J.D. Power. And one of the things they found is that first-time owners of battery electric vehicles are uh, discovering it's a positive experience. I guess that's good. Interestingly, satisfaction among owners who are new to battery electrics are higher than those people who have had battery electric vehicles before. I don't know whether there's just a honeymoon period there or what that's all about, but uh, there also is a, a distinct learning curve when you have to become familiar with driving range, something you and I have talked about uh, quite a bit. Uh, that can be a major problem. You can get yourself into real trouble, I think, if you're not paying attention to uh, your driving range when you're at the wheel of an electric vehicle. Yeah, that, that's the biggest change for, for me, even testing electric vehicles. But uh, it's encouraging to hear you say that because, you know, the J.D. Power studies that we've talked about in the past, a lot of people tend to complain about new technology and complain about new uh, interfaces and things. And electric vehicles, in a lot of ways, are a radical departure with the, the technology inside. So uh, even with the learning curve, I'm encouraged to hear that people are happy with their vehicles 
uh, with the new technology. And, you know, the quiet operation, instant torque, all those things are just, they're bonuses too. But uh, as I mentioned, the, the tech seems to be a big hang up for people. So I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. One of the things uh, where we've seen a, a great increase in satisfaction is in battery range, you know, range on a full charge of batteries. Driving ranges continue to improve, and that has everybody pretty happy about the whole thing because uh, you're less dependent on charging and charging at, at public charging stations uh, occasionally, uh, which can be very problematic. So that is a good thing. Also, battery electric vehicles from traditional brands are helping to attract even more first-time buyers, uh, this according to the, the uh, author of the study, uh, saying that. Here's something I found interesting, too, and it's about incentives. They certainly are, uh, things like federal tax credits, for example, there's certainly a key incentive to purchasing such a vehicle, but what I wasn't sure about and found out in the study is a lot of people have difficulty receiving the tax credit. It's something that they kind of have to fight for, which is uh, a bit disappointing, I guess. But uh, when you talk a bit about bureaucracy, I guess it's logical to assume that's going to happen. It is. And I, I assume or I, I know from you know anecdotal uh, stories around here that people have trouble getting the state level incentives as well. And it also goes for things like charging stations. So there's some uh, rebates involved with uh, installing home charging stations and things like that. So uh, I'm hopeful that as adoption increases or as you know more and more people buy these things that uh, the government bureaucracy, as you say, sort of uh, gets out of its own way so people can actually take advantage of the things that they're they're hoping to get here. Yeah, there is the larger issue of should there be these incentives and should taxpayers uh, foot the bill for people buying very, very expensive cars. But I guess that's for another day. There is certainly good news for Tesla in this study. The Tesla Model 3 ranks the highest overall in the premium uh, battery electric vehicle segment uh, in terms of overall satisfaction. And the Model Y was uh, right there. On the mass market side, the Kia Nero EV, which is currently sitting in my driveway, I uh, tested it uh, this past week, is the tops for the second consecutive year, and the Mach-E is uh, in second place. What's your reaction to those findings? Well, I'm not surprised to hear that the Nero uh, did very well. It's a, It's got great value. You know, the form factor works well. And we've talked at length about the Mach-E. Uh, we, you know, I tested one just uh, about six months ago or so. Um, and Ford did a great job, you know, regardless of how you feel about the Mustang name being used on an EV, uh, the form factor, the value, and the packaging just works. So uh, I think both of those are, are well-deserved. I think so as well. Well, uh Here's another story. Volkswagen of America has bid a fond farewell to the Passat. They have been building the Passat in Chattanooga, Tennessee for uh, many, many years now. And over time, uh, in the United States, more than 1.8 million Passat models have been sold. This is since 1974. The interesting thing, though, is the, the way Volkswagen counts this, or at least it was interesting to me, because they count Passats as vehicles that had names other than Passat. Uh, a very similar mo model had the Dasher name back in the day, if you remember the Volkswagen Dasher, uh, and Dancer, and Prancer, and Vixen. Uh, I guess those weren't other uh, Volkswagens. But there was the Quantum uh, also, and that uh, counts in the... The Passat uh, overall total, so I think um, there's some questions ab about that. I think you and I, though, agree on the fact that the Passat, as it is now, is quite a good vehicle. It is. They've had plenty of time uh, to refine the formula, and they've, they've got it just right. But 
you know, it's not surprising to see it sort of going away because Volkswagen has or had the CC years ago, which was another sort of mid-sized larger car, and now they have the Ardeon. So uh, the the Passat doesn't really have a, a solid home in the Volkswagen lineup, but I'm still sad to see it go. Well, you and me both, but, uh, you know, a bit of fond farewell to the Passat. And when we come back, uh, Chris will be talking about the 2022 Honda Civic Si, really an exciting vehicle, and also North American Car of the Year. Um, and I was driving a, a really exciting vehicle as well, the 2022 Kia EV6, their brand new electric vehicle. So uh, stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Red back with you, and it is road test time, and wow, we do we have cool vehicles. We, we typically have wonderful vehicles to talk about, but uh, this time around, I think we've got some spectacular vehicles to chat about. And uh, the Honda Civic Si is one of my favorite new vehicles. And Chris, you were driving it uh, in the wilds of Maine in the winter, the the brown season that you're dealing with, <laughs> dirty snow out there. Uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, I should have clarified earlier. It's really more mud season when the snow kind of melts, but that's a totally different subject for another day. But uh, in any case, yeah, I was driving the 2022 Honda Civic Si. This is the the brand new car. It just came out, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. It started hitting the market. Um, it was in a bright orange color, which I got to tell you, uh, was not only eye-catching, but uh, I really enjoyed driving such a brightly colored car in the winter here because, uh, you know, all that salt and everything didn't do much to, to cover it up and it was just a cheerful looking looking car but the honda civic si's got a starting price of around twenty eight thousand dollars it comes in just around i think twenty eight thousand three hundred dollars it's got a turbocharged 1.5 liter four-cylinder engine making 200 horsepower and 192 pound-feet of torque exclusively through a six-speed manual transmission with rev matching technology and jack i gotta be Honest with you, I think this is one of my favorite manual transmissions I've driven probably in the last five years or so. It's got a great feel, nice notchy uh, mechanical feel to it, uh, nice confidence, and the rev matching tech uh, works really well. So I wanted to get your feeling on the, the SI's manual transmission because I know we don't get to test very many of these anymore. You know, I loved it. It's kind of a throwback, and you can make the case that uh, automatics are faster, especially dual-clutch automatics are faster these days. Even some non-dual-clutches are, are quite fast in terms of their shifting and the precision of their shifting. But there's something nice about changing the gear yourself. And to have rev matching, I was never uh, you know, super great at, at doing that, You know, the heel and toe and blipping the throttle and making all that happen. So the fact that the car does it for me now is a, a nice little crutch that I use. I agree. I was actually talking with my nine-year-old daughter about that this morning, and, and uh, she was very bored, but uh, I was able to <laughs> explain rev matching to a nine-year-old, so uh, that was very, very nice of her. But the car rides on 18-inch wheels, and this is what I wanted to point out. Uh, you know, a lot of newer cars, especially high-performance cars, have giant wheels, and I know the Civic's a little bit smaller, but I think 18-inch wheels are a sweet spot for a car this size because you get the look and you get the performance of a, a larger wheel, but you don't get a harsh ride, especially uh, I talk about our roads here in Maine in winter where the plows tear up, you know, potholes and everything else. And the extra rubber on the sidewall of the tires with the 18 inch wheels was a really welcome addition for the car. I was afraid it was going to be kind of bone jarring to drive around here, but but it worked really well. And that balance goes beyond just the wheel size and the, and the ride quality. 
uh, because 200 horsepower, 200 horsepower, I should say, uh, is a sweet spot for a car of this size. You know, it's not absurdly fast, but it feels very lively. Uh, it's got plenty of torque, 192 pound-feet. The wheel size, as I mentioned, and the the handling is balanced with comfort, so that you get a nice uh, nice turn in, very responsive steering feel. Uh, but it's not again a, a ride that is very harsh, especially uh, you know with the the potholes and everything inside. And this is where I'm going to talk about my height. You know, I love you. I know that you love to hear me talk about being six feet tall, Jack. But are you six feet tall, a... Chris? I had never heard that before. Uh, yes, you, you got to be I kidding me. You look much taller, have... <laughs> and and you're better looking uh, too. Oh well, thank you. I'm blushing now, but uh, I think this is a, a case where uh, the car shows its size, especially uh, in the front seat. So it's got very nicely bolstered. They look great, sports seats uh, with with heavy hip supports, and at six feet tall. Uh, there's no adjustable headrest, so my head hits in an awkward space on the seat. I know you don't lean your head back while you're driving, but uh, it's a little bit awkward there. And then this has more to do with my width than my height, but I think I'm a little too wide for the seats, so uh, my hips ended up uh, being dug into by the bolsters. On the flip side of that, the seating material is a nice cloth that really grips you into the seat with uh, the bolsters. So uh, there's a lot of great support. I think that you know the the width issue is more my fault and having been sitting around in the pandemic for the last two years than it is the car. So uh, I won't fault it for that. Uh, on the technology front, it's got a nine-inch touchscreen, wireless Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Uh, we talked about this at length in recent weeks. I think Honda does it just as well as anybody else. Uh, instantaneous connection when I start the car uh, with my iPhone. Uh, no real lag there. So while I prefer wired connections in many cars, I think the wireless connection here works well. It's got a 12-speaker Bose audio system as standard and a full suite of advanced safety gear. And my car also had uh, blind spot monitoring. So Jack, I'll say this in closing, I think that Honda hit a sweet spot here uh, as they have with many Hondas of the, the SI variants. Uh, but I think this is sort of the perfection or the pinnacle of that. Uh, for the price at 28 grand, it's got the performance and the looks and the practicality. Uh, so I strongly recommend this car. Can't get enough of it. Yeah, one of the things I I said when uh, the Honda Civic won North American Car of the Year, and of course, as people have heard endlessly on the show, I'm on the jury, uh, and I, I care about what we choose as North American Car of the Year. I think this is a great choice. I voted very strongly for this vehicle. I gave it all 10 of my points uh, that I contributed along with the 49 other jurors. And I just think it's a great all-around vehicle, not just the SI, but the Civic in general. The SI, in a lot of ways, is the epitome of it, though. And I, I just, you're absolutely spot on with your assessment of this car. It's, it's hard to overpraise the Honda Civic. It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful vehicle. And now I'll talk about the uh, Kia EV6 which hopes to gain that kind of uh, recognition over time. And it is the first step in Kia's transformation from a producer of conventional internal combustion engine vehicles to battery electrics. Kia really wants to do that. In fact, kind of ironically, they took the name Motors out of their name, although now they're building cars with motors, finally, as opposed to engines, uh, the uh, uh, internal combustion engines. But uh, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. They want the EV6 not only to compete against other EVs, other electric vehicles, but they also expect it will bring a lot of buyers from traditional vehicles into the EV fold. They think the vast majority of EV6 customers will be first-time electric vehicle buyers, so that's a, an important distinction. And to do that, they have to provide all that a typical conventional vehicle buyer would need. The EV6 is a five-passenger vehicle, 
and it kind of cuts across segments. It's one part hatchback, one part crossover utility. Interestingly, the wheelbase is as long as the midsize Kia Telluride, so that's a long, long wheelbase, and it has very different battery electric uh, architecture. It kind of uh, obsoletes in some ways uh, many of the electric vehicles that have come before it. The front seating position is higher than a typical hatchback, so that makes getting in and out easy. As we get older, we really care about that. And uh, it, of course, offers that elevated command of the road feeling that you uh, like from the driver's seat. And it has a couple powertrain choices. Uh, they're all battery electric, though. Interesting ones. Uh, this is a vehicle built on the electric global modular platform that Kia shares with Hyundai. So under the skin, it has a lot in common with the Hyundai Ioniq 5. But what I found, having driven both of those vehicles pretty extensively, is the EV6 is very different from the Ioniq 5. It has a different character to it. One of the technical advances, though, that they share is this 800-volt multi-charging, going to an 800-volt system, uh, essentially doubling the voltage of most modern EVs, is uh, a big, big change, a big technical change. And one of the things that enables the vehicle to do is go from a 10% battery charge to an 80% charge in less than 18 minutes. This is using a DC fast charger. Of course, you won't have a DC fast charger at home. But I know, Chris, you and I have talked about uh, the lack of infrastructure in Maine and this preventing you from considering an EV. Would this help change your mind a little bit if you could do a big recharge in just 20 minutes or so? I think so, because that then makes the, uh, we have a lot of, you know, sort of side charge. I don't know the right term here. They're just chargers like at the grocery store or next to like a, you know, a retail outlet. So that sort of opens up the usability of those chargers a little bit more so that it makes it more practical to stop and, you know, run into grocery shop and charge your car while you're doing that. It also makes it easier to charge uh, at home. So you're not having to plan your whole day around when you're going to get in that extra 50% of battery or whatever. So, you know, while more physical infrastructure is helpful, I think these steps taken by the automakers uh, are the next best thing, at least in the interim. Couldn't agree more. The EV6 will be available in three different trim levels, and it's actually uh, available now. If you go into your Kia dealer, you might be able to see an EV6. They're going to be sold all across the country in all 50 states, which makes it a little different than a lot of electric vehicles out there. But it's in three trim levels, uh, starting uh, with the base model is called the Light, uh, and then there is the Wind, and then the top level is the GT line. Why they didn't call them Earth, Wind, and Fire, I'm not sure. I think they missed a bet there, but, you know, that's an illusion from music from way, way back, from my era. They have different size battery packs. There is both rear drive and all-wheel drive available. And uh, the range kind of depends on the one you pick. And it goes from 274 miles to the highest range is 320 miles. Since time is limited, let me dive right into uh, the overall driving impression. This is a vehicle that has a great interior, very, very room roomy, much roomier than you would think it would be. But I think the fascinating thing is really the driving. Uh, it's, this vehicle is fast, but not fast in the traditional sense of being fast because it has 
all these batteries, heavy batteries, low in the chassis, it feels very, very different. I would liken it to a slot car. You can do one pedal driving in this vehicle, which is really a revelation. You just, when you get off the accelerator, it starts to slow. So a really fascinating vehicle. I wish we had more time to talk about it. Uh, we will maybe do that in an upcoming uh, version of America on the Road. But this is a vehicle I like a lot. I really, in, in a lot of ways, liked it much more than I liked the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is interesting because they share so much uh, mechanically. And uh, I really think it is going to change the way people think about Kia. The major question I have is, uh, will people spend forty, fifty, or, or even $60,000 on a Kia vehicle? And that remains to be seen. I certainly hope so, because I would like to see more of them. And when we come back, we will be interviewing Dan Ahern. He is the Car Bravo Senior Manager, talking about buying used cars at GM dealers and not necessarily GM used cars. So that's a fascinating subject we'll be chatting with him about. Stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red, And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Nerad with you. And we have a terrific guest for you. And I, this terrific guest is going to be talking about a topic that's on everybody's lips, and that is the availability of new and used cars in the marketplace, particularly used cars. It has become a major issue out there, and General Motors has a, a solution to it. His name is Dan Ahern. He is the Car Bravo Senior Manager. Number one, Dan, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for uh, having us, Jack. I really appreciate it. Before you even tell us what Car Bravo is, and uh, we certainly want to get into that, I mean, tell us what the situation is with most uh, General Motors dealers right now and, and dealers in general facing inventory shortages on both the new and used car side. What, what's it like for them? Thanks, Jack. So, so it, it is, uh, you know, it is touchy. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, your audience is probably going by dealerships and they're seeing that there's a, a lot of uh, open space. Um, but, but, you know, that's mostly on the new side, um, on, on the use side, um, you know, because the, the, the chip shortage and the other things don't affect those as much. Um, we're not seeing as huge a, a decline in, in available inventory. Um, plus, you know, dealers um, are being very um, cognizant of that and, and uh, a lot are out there, you know, trying to purchase customers' vehicles and, and whatnot. So um, our inventory is down on use, but it's not uh, near as significant it is, as it is. So, you know, it's, it's a, a limited selection, but, um, you know, there's a lot of good opportunities out there, too. You are a big veteran, a longtime veteran of this industry, and, and particularly on the retail side. And uh, I, I am not certain that our audience of, of consumers uh, recognizes how important the used car business is to the typical new car dealer. I think they look at a new car dealer as selling new cars and used cars is just a sideline. But really, uh, in terms of profits, used cars is a big, big uh, area for most new car dealers. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit and tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, thanks for the the lead there, Jack. But you're exactly right. I mean, the dealers that we worked with on this project, um, you know, their comment would would be around the lines of a successful new car dealer has a has a successful used car operation. So that's kind of the the recap of it. But you know, it, it's all of those pieces that go into um, you know them taking a trade, um, reconditioning the car, uh, the service capabilities, um, and all of those pieces. So. You know, used cars are are vital. 
um, they're also the progression. Um, and, and that's, you know, what we're talking about with Car Bravo too, is that I might be at a certain time, either from an income or an age or family situation, and I'm buying a used car right now. And then I might transition into a newer used car, and then I might eventually transition into a new car. So, you know, that's really important for the dealership to have, you know, the capability of moving customers along that path. And then the other part of that on used vehicles is um, the capability um, for a GM dealer to sell non-GM cars. Um, and that's a big part of what we're doing with uh, Car Bravo as well, is having that halo that, you know, these participating dealers are going are gonna to sell non-GM cars on the uh, Car Bravo platform. Yeah, let's dive into that. Let's dive into what Car Bravo is because you're introducing that. General Motors is introducing Car Bravo and you're a senior manager of Car Bravo. So give our listeners uh, a quick snapshot of uh, what Car Bravo is and what it's designed to do. So, so Jack, I'll, I'll break it into, you know, kind of the three components and then, you know, we can probably talk more about specifics, but it's about um, a large selection for the, for the customers. Think of, you know, combining uh, dealer inventory with our inventory. So now we have tens of thousands of cars uh, for, for customers to select from. And they're both, again, GM and non-GM vehicles. But the other really key component um, of Car Bravo is an e-commerce platform. So the capability for a customer to go in and do a lot of the transactional pieces that they wanna do, including all of them, if that's what, what they choose to do um, online. Uh, now, you know, the majority, like 90% of the customers still want a, a dealership interaction, whether that's with a test drive, whether that's service, um, et cetera. So, you know, we think with uh, Car Bravo that you get the opportunity to do all of those, whatever the customer is demanding. So, you know, the convenience piece of, um, you know, the digital retail platform in Car Bravo uh, is big. And then the ownership piece, the last piece of this is around making sure that we maintain that relationship as I was talking about the transition from, you know, used into new, um, but, you know, peace of mind with warranties, um, with uh, trials on XM, OnStar, with roadside and courtesy, things that you get when you buy a new car that will be offered on Car Bravo. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the big reasons that people buy new cars rather than used cars is the the warranty and peace of mind that they get buying a, a new car that they have not typically gotten uh, with the used vehicle. Uh, certified pre-owned cars have addressed that for some time, but now it seems like you're taking that to an even greater level with Car Bravo. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, Jack. So, you know, we, we've actually expanded the parameters of, of uh, I would say, the kind of the typical uh, OEM certified program in that the, the first level of cars uh, are up to 10 years and up to 100,000 miles, which most manufacturers are in the six years and 75 to 80,000 miles. So, you know, we've expanded the, the um, population um, into some of those older cars. And then we'll have a, a smaller warranty on, a, on an older um, section, which in most instances makes up about 10 to 15% of a dealer's uh, used cars. But there's still an expectation for that customer to have some peace of mind with a warranty. So these are cars that are 10 years to 15 years, 
and 100,000 miles to 150,000 miles, you know, that will offer a, a limited um, powertrain warranty on um, for customers, again, in that category uh, to give them some peace of mind. So tell us a little bit about or more than a little bit, if you'd like, about what the experience is when a customer goes online to Car Bravo and number one, how to get there. Uh, but then what they're going to see when they get there. I, I certainly they're, I, I imagine they're going to see a lot of inventory, a lot of vehicles available for sale, a lot of used vehicles available for sale. Describe that for us, would you? Great, great, Jack. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, right now, it'll eventually, um, when we launch, um, and that'll be in late spring, early summer, it'll be carbravo.com. A customer would go to carbravo.com. Um, they have a, a variety of, of options. You know, it'll hit the, the uh, splash page. They're going to be able to see the, you know, benefits of, of CarBravo with these warranties and the, the uh, after uh, purchase benefits, but more importantly, when they're looking for a car, um, you know, they're going to be able to filter exactly how they want to, to get the, you know, jewel that they, they want. So, you know, they can um, do a 20 mile radius of, of their IP location. They can go out broader <clears throat> if they're, you know, again, really looking for additional um, um, vehicles. If they're looking for an SUV, a sedan, they can, they can filter for that. So we're gonna have tens of thousands of cars that a customer's gonna be able to drill down to say, I'm looking for an SUV, could be a, a Ford, could be a Toyota, could be a General Motors that has less than 70,000 miles, that is black, you know, with a gray interior. So again, it really puts the power of, of the selection to the consumer. And then once I've selected my car, now I can go to the next phase is, I wanna get approved for credit or I want to be approved for a loan on this car. They can do that online. And, you know, all of the things that are done typically in dealerships can be done um, in, in most states, you know, through the platform. So I can, you know, send back documentation and the things that I need to complete the, the sale. Um, and then I can make options. So I might want more warranty than what's being provided. I might want home delivery. I might want an accessory so they can select those and then they can check out um, and they can, you know, uh, you know, from there, get the vehicle uh, delivered to their office, home, wherever they're, you know, looking to get the, the vehicle delivered. Or they can, again, transition out of any of that during that time frame with all of that still kept um, in the system um, to the dealership to either do a test drive you know, or ask questions of the salesperson or take some of the documentation into the store if that's what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful idea because then they don't have to start all over again when they go into the store. And that's a, a big sticking point, as you know. Let's let's talk a little bit about the online and maybe end to end online purchase. Uh, you know, a lot of companies are advertising heavily on TV for used cars. Carvana, Vroom are out there uh, talking about this experience. They have limited inventory because they only have the inventory that they own. Uh, you're going to leverage the inventory of, of potentially every GM dealer out there. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that system can work if you want to buy a used car totally online. So, you know, Jack, the, the customer would, again, go in and, and they would select that car. Um, the other thing that you started to um, reference there is, let's say they have a trade too, right? So, so we have a mechanism, um, very similar to other ones that are out there, where you're going to type in your plate, your license plate, or the VIN number, 
it's going to come back with an offer. So, you know, you could you go out, you could do that, you could come back. And, and now, again, that's loaded in the system. This customer has a trade that's worth uh, $7,000. Um, you know, customer agrees to that as they're going. They start off with a $20,000 car. They have a $7,000 trade um, and there's $13,000. They can apply for credit. Then they can, you know, look at, again, those additional options. And then they can check out, um, you know, as they're going through the process and end up with uh, home delivery. So, but pretty slick, uh, yeah. you know, again, especially the trade-in piece of that it makes it really convenient for a customer. It seems very convenient. Uh, let's talk a little bit about pricing and negotiation. I think a, a lot of uh, consumers seek out the online experience uh, expecting that they're going to get a one price kind of situation. Uh, it doesn't sound to me like what you're proposing here is one price, though. I think uh, some negotiation is possible here. Uh, tell us how that would work. Yeah, Jack, good question. And, and, and you know, from what we've uh, seen, and, and this is similar to other platforms that are out there, um, it's transparent pricing. Um, so when a customer sees it, whether it's on the lot, whether it's on the website, whether it's on a third party provider, um, that they see the same price as they go. And to your point, you know, there, there will be negotiation um, in those, you know, a cus customer could come in um, with a trade as an example. So there, there'll be things that will um, be, but it's, it's transparent pricing that transitions into, okay, where, where do we uh, negotiate from uh, in that starting price? But, um, you, you know, all the, all the um, platforms that are out there have a very similar, um, you know, experience from the standpoint of having uh, transparent uh, pricing. How do consumers find out what dealers are participating in Car Bravo and, and what kind of participation do you expect from General Motors dealers around the country? Because you have literally thousands of dealers out there. Uh, we just opened enrollment, Jack. So, you know, we're, we're finalizing that and it'll be, you know, a few weeks from now before we're really. Um, but but uh, so far, the response has been very good in, in how they would find them, uh, you know, on the Car Bravo site. Um, or even on the dealer's um, site, uh, websites, um, and, and uh, they, they, would, they would appear as, as a Car Bravo, um, you know, certified dealer, as well as, again, back on the tier one. Right now, we don't have a site uh, that aggregates our uh, dealer's inventory. So, you know, that tier one experience will be something that'll be um, new, uh, you know, new to the to any OEM that's out there doing this, that again will drive traffic um, to those stores. But they'll see in both of those instances, again, whether it's the dealer's website or our website, um, you know, dealers will be listed there, and and customers can select. Uh, from a variety of, of dealerships across the country. Terrific. Again, refresh our memory as to uh, when Car Bravo will go online and and how consumers can access it when that happens, Dan. Yeah, we're uh, late late spring, early summer, um, and it will be uh, carbravo.com. Terrific. Well, it sounds like a, a great new way to buy a used vehicle and get a lot of peace of mind, get a new car kind of peace of mind when you buy that used vehicle. So it seems perfectly in tune with the times. Dan Ahern, uh, Car Bravo Senior Manager, thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate it. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. Jackney Red with you. And it is question and answer time, our final segment of this week's show. And the time goes so fast when I'm talking with Chris Teague. I 
always enjoy that. Uh, listener question time, and we love taking your listener questions, so uh, keep, keep them coming into us. Here's a question from Eugene. Eugene is in Overland, Kansas, and this is what Eugene says. I want to buck the trend and buy a midsize sedan instead of an SUV. I think they're a better bargain right now. Can you suggest some models I should look at? Well, what's your take on that, car expert Chris Teague? Ooh, yeah, I know we talk a lot about people gravitating to SUVs and pickup trucks, but there are a whole lot of midsize sedans out there that probably would make a lot of people happy. So uh, the newer Toyota Camrys are a great pick these days. Uh, you can get one with a V6 that is uh, quite the rocket ship. Uh, the Hyundai Sonata is a great pick. The latest ones, uh, the newest styling is uh, quite a head turner, especially uh, with those LED lights up front. And if you can get in a hybrid, then you're going to end up getting incredible fuel economy. Jack, I think there are some great choices out there. And one you didn't mention is one we talked about on the show very recently, and that's the Honda Accord and the Honda Accord Hybrid specifically. I really like that vehicle. I drove it for some 600 miles fairly recently. And not only was the fuel economy great, but uh, the overall driving experience was really, really good. And I think different from some hybrids out there, I think there's a lot of value in that vehicle. Uh, fun to drive, fuel economy is really incredible. And uh, so I think there are a lot of good choices among the sedans right now. Well, that is our show for today. Uh, our thanks to Chris Teague. He always does a great job as co-host. He needn't thank me for being w uh, with us. We love having him as our, our teammate on the show. But uh, Chris, I enjoy talking with you. I enjoyed speaking with you as well, Jack. And I will thank you for having me because it is a privilege. And thanks everybody for listening. I will say that if you like what you heard and you want to take us with you wherever you go, you can head to sportsmapradio.com. Check out the Saturday morning schedule. And there you can find our podcast podcast directory, uh, both on Apple uh, Podcasts and on other platforms. We'd love to have you join us anytime. Thank you so much for being with us on the SportsMap Radio Network broadcast. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast as well. We'd love to have you join us whenever you want, in any way you want. So join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com.